you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be a little bit all over the place, but we're going to uh, end up spending a, a good amount of our time in Titus uh, chapter 3 and then uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. Uh, yeah, Titus 3, Zephaniah 3. Uh, we'll be kind of bouncing around early, but we have, we'll have verses on the screen for you. Uh, last week, uh, we started a, a journey together through some uh, heavy lifting uh, by, by opening a series of lessons over the role of forgiveness in our lives. And, uh, namely, that we would understand how forgiveness is not a, a selective suggestion that you kind of sprinkle into your various relationships, but that you would carry uh, the Word's command, uh, the Bible's command to forgive, and you would carry that with, with urgency, with determination, because forgiving ourselves and forgiving others is connected to uh, and reflects how we understand our relationship with God. And, and so, uh, as we think about what God has done for us in Jesus, we would connect that with how we carry forgiveness with our lives. And so, so we get to verses in the Bible like Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, uh, where it says things like this. Uh, <clears throat> it says, Be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then in Colossians chapter 3, Bear with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And, and so what we must resolve to deal with are these moments in our lives when we choose to withhold forgiveness, when we choose to continue in uh, conflict with one another. And, and so, so, so the question that we're attempting to answer over these weeks is simply this. How can I uh, forgive myself? How can I forgive others in the way that God has forgiven me by sending Jesus into my story? And so, so our time last week was spent doing some demolition uh, as we talked about just the sabotaging, sabotaging? Um, eh, let's just go with it. Good enough. Uh, the sabotaging effect of not forgiving and, and recognizing uh, really how it's a surefire way of ruining your life. Uh, if you want a miserable life, choose not to forgive. And, and so we bottom line this thought by saying, okay, if our desire is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God, uh, which Paul will tell us in the New Testament is important for us, <laughs> that if you are found in Christ, you are walking in step with the Spirit of God, uh, then if that's our desire, then all these attitudes we are tempted to withhold from people who have hurt us. Uh, things like love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those things that you say, if you wounded me, I want to hold those hostage until you paid me back. Uh, then he says, he says, those are the things that you have to wear. Because if you don't, what it does is it forces you into a lane uh, where you choose the attitudes of the flesh. And, and, and now, although at the time, especially in the conflict... Those attitudes of the flesh only seem fair, right? They seem like a, a, a weapon that is at your disposal to use to exact payment for what people have taken from you. And, and what we said was that every time that's the game we choose to play, we always lose. Uh, we always lose in that. And so, so where last week was um, a ton of fun, 
uh, uh, as we were talking about demolition today, we're uh, we've done clearing some space, and we're, we we want to start rebuilding, uh, and we're going to start by repairing the foundation, but by talking about how we receive God's forgiveness, and really why we receive uh, God's forgiveness, and what's His motivation for forgiving us, and then. We'll spend a couple weeks in that thought, and then we'll start talking about uh, how and why we offer that forgiveness to other people. And so, so we start with God first, because uh, if we don't have an accurate picture of, of what God has done uh, in us and through us and for us, and why God has forgiven us, we'll still be trapped in the same kind of wounds um, that, that lead us to nowhere. And, and so uh, what we're going to find over these couple weeks is that uh, our ability to forgive uh, is linked to our understanding almost proportionally to how we understand how God's forgiven us. Uh, so if, if you understand that God has forgiven you in enormous ways, you're more likely to forgive in enormous ways. Um, but if your understanding is that God just barely saved you, then you will only offer that kind of forgiveness to other people because it's always a reflection of what we've received. And so uh, let's, let's pray and then we will uh, dive into that. Father, we come to you. And we thank you that we get to, to sing corporately all hell King Jesus, that he has made such an incredible difference in our lives. And we pray this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us in your word. That we would, we would work hard to see your goodness and your mercy on display and that we would be able to respond to that in, in life-changing ways. We thank you that you've given us your word this morning so that we're not just left wondering in the wilderness trying to figure out how we please you and, and all that you've done for us. And so we pray that you would open our eyes we pray you would open our hearts and you, we pray you would help us tear down our walls. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, I mean, all right. So as, as we read the Bible, okay, uh, an important book, especially if you're found in Christ, you need to know about this Bible thing. Uh, if you don't have one and you like a free one, we, we will gladly give you one. If you say, I would like two of them, knock yourself out, okay? That's how important it is to us. Uh, but as you read the Bible, there is an overarching narrative that, that's crafted in each and every page, okay? So we're, we're going to start with here, that the narrative of the Bible uh, is simply this, that it's God's love on display as He makes possible the redemption of mankind. Okay? It's God's love on display as He makes possible the redemption of, God, uh, of mankind. Now, uh, or womankind, I don't know where you fall on that thing. Uh, okay? Just calm. If you have an issue with it, take it up with Mark. Uh, and so, uh, so, so, but the Bible does a wealth of things for us. Okay, uh, you can read it and you can learn a lot about about leadership. You can learn a lot about service. You can learn a lot about how to operate as friends and how to be a good neighbor. Uh, we we can be mesmerized by the miracles and we can be spellbound as as God does, just to us crazy and impossible things. Okay, but. Nothing is proclaimed louder than God's love as He sets forth, as He makes possible the redemption of mankind. Okay? So, so there's, the, there's an argument that I've, I've run into from time to time. Well, the Bible doesn't tell you about everything. It doesn't tell you how to cure the common cold. You know, well, that's not its purpose. 
not his purpose. I, I hear people all the time say, you know what, you know what uh, Hollywood needs to do? They need to make a really good story that talks about the Bible. And I'm like, no, because the Bible's not given to you for entertainment purposes, right? Uh, because every time you, you see it, right, you're like, oh, that's not as good as I thought it would be. Well, yeah, because it's not intended to entertain you. It's intended to show you God's love as he redeems you in Christ. That's the narrative. God isn't as worried about you being happy and, and you know, like entertained by the word. Because that was never the intent. And so, so what we need to most desperately understand is that God moves in our direction, not out of obligation, but out of love. Not out of obligation, but out of love. That, that the fact that we have any process to restore our relationship with Him is worship-worthy. Uh, and as we consider uh, on our own, we are without hope. So let's, let's go back a little bit, okay? Uh, and I might tell you some stuff that you're like, I already know that, okay? But you, we never graduate from what I'm about to tell you. We never will. No matter how long you walk with Christ, you will never graduate from this incredible thought. That, so as we go back to the original issue, sin creates a debt in our relationship with God, and it's huge. Huge. Uh, so large that, that if we did this, okay, let's take every good moment you will ever have in your life. Let's take every moment of kindness. Let's take every moment when, when what you wanted to do was punch someone and what you did do was nothing, okay? Let's take all of that. Let's take our kids who are perfect, have never done anything wrong, right? Let's take all that goodness, okay? Let's take yours, let's take mine, let's all bottle it up to one really great potion of goodness and greatness and, 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 and just awesomeness, okay? And then let's do a lottery. And let's pick someone. Let's pick Heather. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you. Forget it. You know, you don't deserve it, all right? Uh, we're going to go with Jill over here. All right? Jill, okay? And let's say, Jill, you're the one. Okay? We're giving you all of our goodness. We're giving you everything that we have done that is praiseworthy with our lives. And we're putting it on you. The collective body is giving all of this to you. And now you go stand before a holy God. Okay? All of that goodness, all of those good intentions... All of those things that are praiseworthy in front of a holy God still fall monumentally short in our efforts to restore our relationship with Him. Okay? Sin destroys it all. Every bit of it. And I think the, the fact that... The fact that the Bible doesn't end at the end of Genesis chapter 3 is amazing to me. And, and it tells us something about God's great love. Because at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, right? Remember, we start with in the beginning, and we have all the creation, and then we have the creation of man, and then in Genesis 3, we have this little moment, a small hiccup that destroys everything. Right? Adam and Eve, they, they bite the fruit. The serpent deceives them. They are naked, and they know it. And the fact that God doesn't say, done, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it is, it's even more amazing that, that even in that moment, he, he begins a process to rebuild and to restore us. And 
And I think instead of a short book where mankind deservingly is ended, uh, we, we see God making for Adam and Eve garments to, of skin to cover the nakedness that they're trying to hide from God. Now some of us, if, we, if our kids acted in similar ways, like, no, 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 natural consequences, you go naked for the rest of the day. All right? No, he doesn't. He takes, he takes his creation. And we see, we see in that moment the first sacrifice. And he makes for them clothes to cover their nakedness. And the beauty of the gospel is, is that this tragedy is, is played out time and time again uh, throughout the Bible. That, that the original sin cost Adam and Eve and cost us greatly. Romans, Romans is going to tell us that, that the debt of sin is death. And they lost much in the fall, but nothing greater than the unbroken and intimate relationship that they shared with God. And the tragedy is that this is played out time and time again in the Bible, and it's played out time and time again in our own uh, much smaller stories, that whenever there is sin, the sinner loses something that is outside of their power to regain. And, and the beauty of the Gospel is that though we've incurred a debt that we cannot pay, that, that there is another truth that is also at play in that God has established a way for us to cancel the debt that we've incurred. And, and, and though the cost is not cheap, at the same time it's free, which doesn't make sense, I get. That, that God desires to have relationship with you and with me. And that doesn't, does not compute. That, so so let, that, let that sink in just for a moment, because maybe you've heard that for the first time today. That the God of the universe desires to have a relationship with you. So in the Old Testament, to help restore our relationship, He, he institutes, God institutes a sacrificial system. Uh, and, and the book of Leviticus describes it really in detail, the procedure an individual had to go through to maintain a fellowship uh, with a holy God. And to us, it might seem complex. To us, it might seem strange. In fact, there are times that you might look at it and you're like, boy, it seems like God was trying to make it difficult to get with Him. Right? But understanding this, that we're talking about a holy God and very unholy people standing before Him. And so there should be a standard. There should be a standard. And so, so in fact, uh, the, the whole system is actually this really beautiful picture of, of God's grace since He's provided a way when it would have been more convenient just to cut and run. And so, so He's motivated to display His love for us. And here, here's how it works. We'll go uh, Leviticus chapter 1. I know you're like, well, I hope He gets into Leviticus this morning. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a church joke, folks. Um, so the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd uh, or from the flock. And if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male okay, without blemish. Okay? Now this is a significant part of our offerings to God. We do so without blemish, meaning that God... Because He deserves our best, He gets our best. Okay? So without blemish, 
He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that it may, he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him okay, to make, and there's going to be a word we're going to come back to, atonement for him. Okay, so, so the system, the sacrificial system was this reminder that the penalty for sin is death. It is. That, that instead of the sinner being put to death, that, however, an animal would serve as, as a substitute, right? As a result, the person was accepted and experienced fellowship with God once, once again before the Lord. And, and the system was God's way of allowing sinful men and women to carry a relationship with a very sinless and a holy, holy creator. And so, so God was under no obligation to provide such a system. So, so we have to ask, why does he do it? And it's because he, he is love. He's love. And so, so the, the Old Testament system um, was very effective, but, but by design, it was always a temporary fix. Always was. And so, so Leviticus 1 uses this interesting word at the end of verse 4, atonement. Uh, and the word simply means to cover up. Like it, it throws a blanket on it. Uh, and and so, so the significance of this term is that the sacrificial system was adequate for the time being, but it was temporary in nature, that, that the sins of those living under the law were covered for a time, but they weren't forgiven in the absolute sense of the word. You had to consistently keep coming back to make atonement for your, for your sins. And so, so our question is, is why, right? Why, why is that the case? And, and it's simply because the blood of animals cannot be sufficient payment for the debt incurred by sinners. Essentially, it was this, okay? If you, if you have to pay your visa bill this month, right? Try sending them an IOU, okay? That's essentially what it was. Okay, I, I owe you more money, <laughs> I owe you to God. I owe you more devotion. I owe you um, less sin. And we know in that sense that it doesn't work that way. Even though, try it and tell me how if it works, because maybe we'll just stop paying our mortgage and see what happens. Um, I have good intentions. Um, so, so Hebrews chapter 10 it affirms this process. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, uh, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is impossible for them to do that. Uh, and so, so as sin creates a debt between us and between God, uh, the, the payment is death, and that's what sin costs you. But we find God doing something peculiar in response to sin. Uh, he offers a way for us to receive forgiveness. And this, this shows us something just incredibly powerful about His heart for us. And this has been my prayer this week as, as we've kind of been walking through this and preparing for this, that, that we would understand the enormous amount of love that God has for us. Uh, that this, that there, there's something God wants more than, than retribution, uh, even though He will find it. Um, and there's something He desires more than simply being, pay, being paid back for the dishonor uh, that's been shown to Him. That, that God, in His mercy, still wants to have fellowship with us. Again, doesn't compute. He doesn't. And, 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 and he is willing to put his own system of justice on hold while he made provision for sinful men and women like us to be rescued. Okay. Now, now notice I didn't say that God bypassed it. 
right? God doesn't just take our sin and pick up the rug like we do at our house and just kind of sweep the dust under it, right? And then just pile it over and say, ah, it no longer exists, because it very clearly does. So he has to deal with that. So God doesn't just bypass his system. He, he couldn't do that because the system by which he abides is an expression of his very nature. Okay? So he doesn't just do away with that, saying, ah, you tried hard. Um, what he did, as we've seen, it was to offer a temporary solution to which his own righteous standards could be served. And so, so here's the, the story of our relationship with God. is simply this, that as people turn their backs on God, he immediately went to work to restore fellowship. As we turned our backs, you can go, uh, go to Romans 1. It's an incredible, uh, incredible read uh, because it paints our picture and it paints our stupidity very clearly. And this thought, it, it can get lost in the Old Testament because it's grimy and it's dark at times and, and we can read about the wrath of God, but, but God's long-suffering stretches even through to this very moment. That what we read in the Old Testament should be enough to convince us that, that God is love and He offers forgiveness, that, that He forgives because He desires to forgive. That, that not, not because He's under some constraint, but, but it's simply a covering until He's dealt with our sin issue permanently and with the arrival, with the death, with the resurrection of, of King Jesus, who we said all hell King Jesus, we hell Him because He is the ultimate solution for our sin issue. He is. In fact, there's a lot of places we can go, uh, but Acts 10 puts it this way, and I love it. To Him, to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Okay? We never graduate from that. We never say, ah, that, that verse no longer carries as much weight in my heart. It's huge. It's powerful. And so, so sin is our great enemy. Jesus is our solution. And that, that, again, that's important to keep close to our chest. But equally important here is that the motivation of God the Father in sending Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. That He's chosen to love us. And in that process of rescuing you, there's a son offered, and then there's a song that's sung. That, that by now you're going, okay, are we going to keep circling the same thought over and over and over again? Right? I can see it in your eyes. We have to. We have to, because until we understand the deepness of God's great love in sending Jesus, none of, none of the other issues in our life will be satisfied. You, you will never grow in these other areas without first understanding this and and I think until it clearly fits together, we're, we're not likely to abandon our unbiblical ways of thinking we've grown uh, comfortable with over the years. And I think until we connect some of these dots, it's going to be difficult for us to give all of our hearts to God. Which I, I, I feel at times is my very deep intention, but I struggle so greatly with it. And I think until we're confronted with and have accepted God's goodness towards us, uh, we're going to have a difficult time when it comes to this topic of forgiveness. We will. That, so, so listen to these words in Titus for a moment. And, and we're going to, let's take the we out of the verses and let's just talk about you, right? That's who you wanted to talk about anyways, right? That's why we came here for you. Um, 
And if you're found in Christ, put yourselves in the thick of these verses. For we, for you yourself, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Right? What a fun picture of us. It says sin broke you. Sin broke you. Sin breaks your relationships. It broke your access to God. It broke you. Verse 4. But when. Okay, and I love it when we get to but wins. But when the goodness and the, the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. So the question is, what's God, God's motivation in rescuing us from sin. Is it our great looks? No. No. In fact, what were you, what are you bringing to the table that would be so attractive to Him? Or is it your foolishness? Your, your disobedience? How about the fleeting passions and the pleasures you're pursuing and, and malice and envy? How about, how about your hatred? Think that motivates God to snuggle up close to you? Let's ask this. Are, are any of those qualities attributes that we look for in people that we just want to spend dinner with? No. You avoid those people, right? When you see them on site, you're like, ah, oh, let's just keep our distance from that schmuck. No, then, then, then what, is, what is God's motivation for not just having dinner with us, but for granting us uninterrupted access to Him. And He says this, because He's good. He says He's kind. Not because we brought anything to the table, but because by His nature, He bestows mercy on whomever He wishes to bestow mercy on. And He continues, so, but according to his own mercy, by the so how does he do it? By the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So let those words wash over you. Take those verses and just sit in them. Let it sink in that the God sends Christ to be our Savior. Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on you, but not just a dab of it. Just, just richly gives it to you. It's like a bottle of cologne that teenagers don't know they will eventually run out. Just... Reason the Holy Spirit is... He's inexhaustible. He, he doesn't wear out. He doesn't say, hey, I need a moment. Whew, you're working me pretty hard today. That, that Christ sends the Holy Spirit and just washes us. And it wasn't enough that the gifts just keep coming, almost like a showcase showdown, right? Like, like you're telling me I get the vacation and the car and the knife set, right? That we are made heirs according to the promise of hope and eternal life. 
It just keeps getting better. So here's, here's our bottom line, is that God loves me, okay? Here's, here's the question we've been trying to answer. Why, why? God loves me because He's chosen to love me. And He sends Jesus so that I can love Him forever. That's the story of the gospel. Why does God send Jesus? Because He loves us. Does, do we deserve that love? Absolutely not. But, but He loves me because He's chosen to love me and He sends Jesus so that I can love Him forever. Let's start wrapping this up. So, so Jesus is the Son offered because we needed a hero. Okay? We needed a hero. Jesus is the Son offered. But there's something else that's going on. I told you that, that we get a, a Son offered, but we also get a song sung. And so, so this week, I, I've been reading this book, and it's taken me an embarrassing amount of time to get through it, uh, because it's so good. Uh, it's written by, by John Piper, uh, and it's called The Pleasures of God. And in it, we just, he just kind of goes through God's delight in a various set of circumstances. But in this chapter I was reading this week, I was reminded of this, this passage in Zephaniah chapter 3. One of my favorite, because I think Zephaniah is a really cool name um, for anybody. So if you have a kid, let's go. Let's go with Zephi, right? Uh, and then when he's an adult, wants to be a professional, Zephaniah. Um, but but there's, this, there's this passage in it that is so so helpful to me. And it reveals God's great heart for me. Undeserved, but He gives it. And you got to understand that, that at the time of the writing, the, the nation of Israel is suffering uh, because there's, there's great corruption going on. And there's great wickedness going on. And, uh, and God spends a majority of the, the, three, verse, the three chapters uh, saying, hey, we're going to deal with this Oh, somebody kicked off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Look it up. Tell me what's going on. Uh, his eyeballs just went like, that's me. So, so there's this great period of, of difficulty that they're dealing with. And toward the end of, of the, the book or the... Um, the end of Zephaniah's words, we get to see the goodness of God. That's typically the, the model of Old Testament prophets. Now, there's some judgment. There's some holding us accountable uh, to our sinful behaviors. And then God will talk about His mercy. He will talk about His goodness and His promise. And in Zephaniah, there's there's this moment, it's wrapping, it's wrapping up the book. And it says this, it says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. And this is my, this is my favorite verse in the whole book. The Lord your God is in your midst. 
Let's just stop for a moment and ponder those words. Do you, do you realize that? Not, not do you feel that. Not does that excite you. Not does that scare you. But do you realize that the Lord your God is in your midst? And not just in this converted space where kids eat lunch all the time. But the Lord, your God, your God, who sends His Son to pay your price. He is in your midst. And now some of us grew up in an environment where that scares us. Because we were, we were sold the, a bill of goods of a God that does not enjoy us. That doesn't love us. That's waiting to pour out His wrath upon us. And I read the Bible, I'm like, where is that God? Now, is He wrathful towards sin? Absolutely. Does He warn us that one day there will be a time when all accounts will be... Uh, Paid in full? Absolutely. But the Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. And then look at these, look at these last three. Look at these last three. It's so great. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Does God save you begrudgingly? Absolutely not. Does God care for you because you're just He's stuck with you? Absolutely not. He, he rejoices over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will quiet you by His love. He will, he will quiet your tears. He will quiet your shouts. He will quiet your confusion. He will quiet the pace of your life. He will quiet all of those moments that you're like, I, I can't survive this. This is it for me. And He doesn't do it as a magical genie. He does it by His, what? Love. He will quiet you his love. Now I wonder if so often in the Bible when when the God shows up, people stop talking. And I wonder if there's a connection here. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Okay, this isn't a an abstract thought. Okay? This isn't uh, anything other than the Word of God saying He will exalt over you with loud singing. God sings over you. He sings over you because He loves you so much. And I wonder, oh, what an incredible song to hear, right? What an incredible song. I wonder, I wonder if we could hear it better if we would stop talking so much. 
I wonder if we could hear it better if our hearts weren't so divided. If we didn't have one foot in the world, one foot in heaven. I wonder, I wonder if we could hear that song louder. If we actually, I don't know, did the things that God says to do with our lives. Novel concept, I know. But the Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God forgives you because he loves you. We don't graduate from that. Said earlier that, that our willingness to forgive ourselves, our willingness to forgive one another, is linked proportionally to how we understand God's love for us. Now stand by that. So our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. We wrap up. We do this each week. And it's not the rhythm, it's not the system. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. Because if my prayer these weeks is, is hard for you, is that God would, God would wrestle with your heart and He would hold tight to it until you relent. And today, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Today, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we believe there is there is no way to experience peace and joy and true love until you render your heart. We want to help you with that process. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. That you, that you look at us and you even move in our direction. It, it just it blows us away. I pray this week that we would, we would walk and walk and walk and walk into deeper into understanding how, how you are motivated to forgive us. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.